Critical thinking is the most important skill you can have when you're living in a world that seems to have lost its mind. Everyone out there is trying to tell you what to think. I want to teach you how to think. In every episode, I'm exposing the logical fallacies being used by advertisers, politicians, influencers, news outlets, social media memes, and maybe even your own best friend. Warning, listening to this podcast will cause you to see bad thinking everywhere. Welcome to the Filter Through a Brain Cell podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? Kathy Gibbons here. I am super excited because today's episode is going to be totally different than what we normally do. It is my first interview on this podcast. Yay, I'm so excited if you guys listen to this. So I am interviewing this podcast, um, a man named Brett Banford. I found him on Instagram. Um, I'm following the hashtag logical fallacy and one of his reels popped up in my feed and I was like, hey, the the reason it stood out to me is because he was using logical fallacies to help defend arguments against his faith. Brett is a Christian apologist. I know, big word, all apologist means is that he's someone who uses good thinking to defend his faith in God and in the Bible. And I immediately thought, oh, he would be such a great person to interview on this podcast. And here's why. Here's the thing. In order to have good, sound arguments, you have to actually have something more than, well, that's just what I think, right? Everybody out there has opinions. You need to have real reasons or evidence for why you think and believe the way that you do, especially when it comes to your faith and what you think and what you believe about God, about Jesus, about um, creation, and about the Bible. So learning the logical fallacies is the perfect foundation for someone who would like to study apologetics and learn to defend their faith or just dive into why they believe what they believe for themselves. So guys, this is why I wanted to bring him on. I want to have a conversation about what does it look like to jump into apologetics and studying apologetics and how does good thinking fit in with that? So Brett is a scientist by education and who he realized that he had questions about his faith that he couldn't get answers to. So he started studying and he shares what he's learned on social media, Instagram primarily. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Well, hello, Brett. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast, um, as I've already told you, but you are my very first interview for uh, the Filter It Through a Brain Cell podcast. So thanks for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm honored to be your first guest and hopefully I won't let you down. So we'll see. No, you won't. It'll be great. It'll be great. So, so I just wanted to start off maybe with just a little bit about your story and how you got into apologetics because I love as a homeschooler myself, I love it that you were self-taught with that. We're all about that kind of thing. And uh, maybe if you could talk a little, a little bit about what is apologetics, maybe just define that. And and what does that mean? Sure. Yeah. So I I can give you a very brief testimony um, and then I'll give you a definition of apologetics. Uh, So um, I grew up in kind of a Christian family who um, attended church, but I would say was more, um, more through, we went to church, but I don't necessarily think we were taught the beliefs of church. It was just something our family kind of did. Uh, and we were in a Methodist church. And I, I remember going when I was younger in elementary school up to middle school. And I remember the community, but I don't remember so much uh, the, the teachings or anything per se. Um, so with that being said, eventually my family and I, we stopped going to church, I just kind of grew out of it. Um, and then it uh, at that point, 
it was pretty much for me, just listen to my parents, um, do what they tell me to do. And that's kind of the keys to success, fulfillment and happiness in life. And so I did what a lot of um, young people do. I, I went to school, I got a good education, I got my college degree. Um, I met my wife who I'm married to today, I got a good job, we bought a house. Um, and I kind of settled into what I thought, you know, my career was and what the rest of my life was going to be. And I remember shortly after I was married, I really had this uh, existential moment uh, in my life where um, I had the money to start buying things and I was buying things here and there that were of interest to me, but they weren't bringing me fulfillment. And I really felt this, I like to call it like a God-shaped hole in my heart. Um, and I just couldn't fulfill that desire that was within me to feel meaning, purpose, uh, fulfillment, contentment. And so um, I had this moment of where I needed answers. And I always kind of believed that there was a God. I didn't know necessarily that much about him. I knew about Christianity vaguely. And so, we, you know, we had some friends that invited us to church. And we started going just as kind of just to figure things out. And it was nice. Uh, and so, yeah you know, the pastor starts talking about Jesus and give your life to Jesus. And it's the best decision that you can make. And uh, my background for my career is a scientist. Uh, I have a microbiology degree um, uh, for a bachelor's and a biotech degree as a master's. And so my natural inclination was to start asking questions like, well, this is great about Jesus, but, you know, is he a real person? Like, why do I care about him? I, you know, is the Bible even a document to take seriously? And, and so those were my first questions. And for me, I couldn't find anybody at my church to really answer those questions. They were more just kind of like spend time in God's word and pray. And those were great things. But from an intellectual standpoint, in my head, I was like, well, those things don't mean anything to me because I have no idea if they're even worth pursuing or not. And so long story short, I started asking difficult questions that I couldn't find. And as uh, any person would do in the um, 2000s in the age of the internet, I started Googling questions and um, I stumbled upon apologetics and um, come to find out and what I would come to learn is that uh, apologetics is a kind of a biblical aspect um, of Christianity or theology that's basically it's from the Greek word apologia, and it means to give a defense or a reason for a belief and an opinion or a stance per se. Um, and so uh, this is the primary verse that that's based off of is First Peter 3.15, which um, speaks to, it says in the verse, uh, always be ready to give a defense or a reason for the hope that you have within. And so once I learned about that, I learned that there was this intellectual component um, to Christianity. And so I wanted to pursue that to the fullest to understand if I had a good reason to believe in Christianity. And that's what opened the floodgates for me. And then um, the water never start, uh, stopped pouring um, at that point. And so, yeah, I started digesting as much as I could. And, and that's kind of how I got to where I am today. Oh, that's awesome. I, I think that's awesome that you had these questions that came up, but what you did with your questions, I think is really unique because I feel like that's where a lot of people get stuck. We have hard questions, like life is going to present us, present us with some hard questions, whether you grow up in a Christian home or a religious home or whatever that looks like for you, or not, we get faced with these. And what we do with those questions is really important because that's where I feel like we can 
go one of two directions to, to where we dig into our faith or where we just kind of abandon it and look for, you know, the world's answers. So what would you say to somebody who has these hard questions, who they're coming up for them, they're hearing things in society, or they're just maybe what they've gotten so far in church or in their home hasn't been enough, and they have additional questions. What do you do with those hard questions? Yeah, I, I think I would first uh, tell people that, you, one, you aren't the first to have those questions. All the questions that you're going to ask, very, very likely, I can almost guarantee somebody has asked before. And so, you know, first, I would encourage you to just let you know, there are people out there that have um, resources and information that can guide you and give directions. And with just the access to information with the internet right now, um, you know, you can truly start to dive into these questions and have good reason and abilities to educate yourself with what you can find online. And, and second, I would say, I, I think there is a, a stigma around Christians who have questions about their faith and that it's not something that uh, we do well in the church of giving Christians hope um, and confidence that it's okay to have these questions and that you shouldn't feel guilt or shame for having doubts. It's just what you do with those doubts that matter. And so I would just encourage people to, um, to do what the, what the Bible says. The Bible says, seek and knock on the door and, and you shall have your answers. And so for me, I would just want just to give that person hope to know the resources are available um, put your trust to ask those tough questions and find the means to search for those. Um, and, and just, just have, have hope that there is sources out there for you. No, that's great. Well, one of the things that caught my eye when I first, I found uh, rad apologetics, which is your, um, I don't know if it's a company yet or your, your brand, <laughs> but that's how you are on Instagram. Anyways, that's where I found you there because you were making a link. You were using the logical fallacies as you were um, kind of refuting bad thinking as it pertains to faith and as it pertains to Christianity. So can you talk about that? What is the correlation? Because as you know, this podcast so far has been all about logical thinking and how to think well, how to recognize bad thinking. Can you kind of, what is the bridge? How does the logical fallacies relate to apologetics? Yeah, so I think it's important to give a little bit of context um, about that. And one of the first things that I noticed when I started doing apologetics online and learning, um, and then uh, eventually felt confident enough to start creating apologetic content, uh, is that you start to see the same arguments over and over again, the same lines of reasoning, the same things that people will say about, um, about Christianity and the Bible. Um, and we don't necessarily have to go over those exact specifics, but, you know, I started having these things like, man, I'm seeing these over and over and over again. Like, are these things that are just that I should take seriously and, and, and really are good explanations of uh, the topics that they're that they're addressing? And so it really opened up this door of, OK, well, how are these how are these common arguments or refutations of, of Christian apologetic points? how are these being structured and how should I, how should I understand them? Are they reasonable to believe? And so I learned very quickly that most arguments that are put forward have, have this 
uh, it's basically a syllogism. So it's basically where they present a premise um, first, and then each premise follows with another premise, and then there's a conclusion for that. And that's basically a fancy way of, of setting up forms of reasoning. And so I started to look more kind of into the types of reasoning and what those things kind of meant. And that basically led into what you can call logical fallacies. Um, so, you know, logic is just a structure of understanding reason and reasoning, and there's different types of reasoning. And I realized very quickly that much of the arguments that I um, was seeing, while they seemed maybe eloquent on the surface, they really had these underlying flaws within them that, um, that just fell short when you really put them to scrutiny and actually put them up to the fire of what you know we would call reasoning. And so that's kind of how I got into learning about um, these, these logical fallacies. And they come in handy, especially when you're not having like a super in-depth conversation with a person and you're just seeing like this one-off comment um, mentioned. And you can say, hey, like, I've seen that before that looks like you know this, this fallacy that I've read about and then you have to just practice on identifying them. And so that's kind of how I got to where I'm at right now with just pointing out those common arguments and understanding that there's a lot of different ways that you can argue fallaciously. Yeah, isn't it interesting? The more that I, the more that I study them and learn about good thinking and good reasoning, and you said syllogism, it's so funny. That is a part of how I even got into this podcast is my daughter has been studying logic these last two years and um, in last three years, really in school, starting with the logical fallacies and then going into syllogisms. And I, you just made me think I need to do an episode on that because that really is the premise for um, so much of the bad thinking that's out there is it just doesn't go together, right? It should be too- It, it is. And that's, you know, the very much the formal way of understanding logic. And I think sometimes that can scare people away because then you kind of get more into philosophy and things of that nature. But, you know, at the core of it is, you know, does what somebody's, is what somebody's putting forth, does the conclusion follow from what they're saying? And when you can understand what it is that they're trying to say and the conclusion that they're trying to make and the type of reasoning that that is, then you can start to find the fallacies and things that um, make things reasonable or not. Yeah. And let me ask you this, how has, so for you, how has learning apologetics affected your faith? I was going to ask, how has it deepened or grown your faith? But I don't want to be assumptive about that, um, that it has done that. So what would you say has been the effect on you and your own personal faith um, in Jesus Christ as a result of studying apologetics? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. It, it's absolutely the biggest thing is it's absolutely given me a lot more confidence um, in my beliefs. Um, I, I feel more inclined to not have doubts about, about a lot of things. That's not to say I don't ever have doubts. Um, you know, God's ways are always above our ways, but I have a better idea about who God is, about why he's done some things over others, um, and things that I think can just throw, like, trip people up if they just don't look into it enough fully, uh, especially like, you know, the problem with evil, uh, the, the trustworthiness and the reliability of scripture. I mean, those are things that really can, can create these huge obstacles for people's lives. And so I really like to classify um, apologetics as, as pre-evangelism, um, because essentially what it does is it's you're, you're removing intellectual obstacles 
from people's minds so the Holy Spirit can really come in um, and do and do the work that the Holy Spirit does. Um, I like to say that um, as an apologist or even as a disciple or just a, an everyday Christian, you know, you're in charge of the planting of seeds and you can water and nurture relationships, but ultimately nothing will come to fruition without the Holy Spirit coming through and making that dramatic change within that person's life. And so um, it's really served as a great marker for me about building confidence in my own beliefs, being able to more fully trust um, in Christ and what he's done, um, and to just look to him more uh, within my life with confidence. And I don't feel at odds anymore. That was a big thing. I don't feel at odds in my head versus my heart. I really feel like the further I explore um, what we would call God's natural revelation and his creation, I really truly believe that the evidence truly does speak more towards God, the Christian God specifically, when you tie the whole picture together. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a wonderful experience thus far. And, and it's something that's only beginning. We can only learn more. That's good. I think you did a really great job of highlighting the two aspects of it because we have the part that's our responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. Proverbs says it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to seek it out. And so we mm -hmm. have a responsibility in seeking truth and seeking goodness and seeking beauty, right? And also it's the Holy Spirit. And that's been one of my concerns on the podcast is I don't want to um, glorify our reasoning so yep. much. I don't want to glorify our reasoning above the work of the Holy Spirit in our life and in our spirits as we're, as we're growing as Christians. So that's a really good way to kind of bridge those together. Um, okay, two last questions. One would be, I have a lot of listeners who are, um, who are teenagers, um, it, you know, that they're, they're in school right now. Um, in the next couple of years, they're going to be out. They're going to go to college or start a career or whatever it is that they're going to do. And they are growing up in a world where they are truly, truly being bombarded with messages. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them really bad. And, you know, from media, from culture, all of that. What would you say to this next generation that's coming up? How can they be solid in their faith and how can they be ready to take on and to think about and to assess the messages that they're getting on, on the daily? Yeah, absolutely. And the first thing that immediately comes to my mind is, you know, I, I kind of see this divided into two, two sectors. And one is more of the cultural um, aspect, the um, morality behind the, the messages that are being put forth by the world. And one thing I would really suggest for teenagers and people that are coming up in the world is to understand where we get our sense of morality and where we get why we do what's right and wrong and how we um, how we justify that. That's something that I like to talk a lot to is, well, where do we get those moral intuitions that we kind of just intuitively feel like, oh, we know it's, we know it's wrong to do this. And you have that conviction. Where does that come from? Is that an evolutionary byproduct? Or is that something that's maybe more innate that would come from uh, a moral law giver? And from a Christian standpoint, you're going to get so many messages that are counter- um, that are countercultural to what you want to do. But the, the question is not whether those things are easier to do or make you feel better in doing them, but it's, are they what you should be doing? Is that ought what you should be doing? And so we really need to think about 
whose morality are we going to follow? Is it going to be ours, which is subjective and internal to our feelings? We all know how that goes. One day you're up here and you're doing what you want to do and it feels great. The next day, turns out it's not really what you wanted to do and it hurts us. So where do we leave our standard of where we lead our life? So I'd really encourage you just to look into how you come to what's right and wrong as you go out and you're in life and you grow. And then the next thing I would really encourage is from an academic standpoint. And as you go into college, and especially within the science community, you're going to be put forth a lot of ideas and topics that are going to be put to you as facts. And one thing that's not taught and that wasn't taught to me is that underneath all objective science is philosophy. And that is the way in which you interpret all of those messages, those facts that come from that science. And it's important now when you learn and you are given topics of discussion, whether it's about evolution, whether it's about just general biology, any type of science, they're going to mention peer-reviewed papers, all of those papers, they all have a analysis and interpretation section. And within all of those sections, you will see that they are making basically interpretive philosophical right assumptions from a lot of that analysis that you get from that. And so, you know, a lot of it is based in reasoning. And so much of what you'll find in those sections, it does follow depending on the topic that's at hand. But I would just encourage you that whenever you're looking into something in science, always be aware that yes, it may appear objective as you're reading through it, but somebody has a philosophy that they're bringing to that data. Uh, Frank Turek, a popular, uh, a popular apologist, likes to say it this way, science doesn't say anything, scientists do. And I've always taken that to heart. And once I realized that, it's opened up kind of the way in which I reason and talk um, with people about science now. And this isn't, you know, this conspiracy type mentality where everything that you look at, you need to have this conspiracy mindset too. It's just removing some of that cognitive bias that you said that you like to talk about and understanding that everybody brings presuppositions or assumptions into the data that they interpret. So I'll leave you with that. No, that's excellent. And the thing about the thing about cognitive biases is you can't not bring it, right? We all correct. correct. And even yeah, as a Christian, we bring cognitive biases. Yes. So it's not like we're excluded from it. Right. And and but as long as we're aware of it and you can kind of pinpoint or pick out what somebody's is, you'll know how to um, how to kind of interpret that. That's excellent. Thank you. Mm, yeah. Um, all right. Last question. So how can uh, well, last question, and then I'll give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you. Is if there was somebody. Uh, maybe one of my listeners who is like, hey, I think I would like to learn a little bit more about apologetics. I don't feel like I know how to find these answers for myself. Do you, like, how would they begin? Like, how does somebody begin to, to do this? Yeah. And, you know, that's a, that's a tough question because for me, you know, I started online. I just watched a lot of YouTube videos and mostly the ones that I watched were from crossexamine.org. They're a well-popularized apologetics ministry. It's Frank Turek who um, runs that ministry, but there are tons and tons and tons and tons of books on these topics. It can be overwhelming, I think, at times to go for strict like to an online route. And for me, I didn't realize this at the time, but I think the best way in which I approached apologetics was getting kind of like a full um, high level view 
of kind of apologetics to then why is Christianity specifically true? Because that helped me understand as a Christian, like just from a general perspective, do I have good, do I have good reason to believe what I want to believe? And so I, this is the first book that I recommend because I think it's readable, it's informative, and is a really good opening to apologetics from a lot of standpoints. And that's the, the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Frank Turek. Um, that really goes through kind of a four-part argument. Um, it goes through, does truth exist, which is covering a little bit more philosophy. It goes through, does God exist? as just the general creator of the universe, not Christian specific God, but it covers arguments for that. And then it talks about are miracles possible. And then finally it ends with, uh, with is the New Testament reliable, which then goes through um, the New Testament scripture and whether or not we can actually believe in the historical resurrection of Jesus. And so that book is a great general overview and a great starting point for really anybody interested in apologetics from um, a teenage level all the way up to, to an adult. Oh, that's excellent. Thank you. That's a great, um, that's a great resource to share there. So let me ask you this. If um, somebody w wanted to follow you, where can people find you? Like, I know you've got some resources out there that are available. So just tell everybody where they can find you. Sure. So yeah, so I my online ministry, which is mostly on social media right now is, is rad apologetics. That's RAD. Um, and that's kind of a, a two front uh, <laughs> acronym slash uh, term rad slang for cool, um, as you may or may not know. And then it's also the initials for my grandfather, um, who inspired my ministry and really opened up my, um, my faith for myself. Um, and so that's kind of dedicated to him, but it's, it's rad apologetics. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I'm primarily on Instagram. That's where I put most of my content out. Um, but I am eventually uh, going to do some uh, YouTube interviews, podcast interviews. I've done one. I've got some more coming up in the future. I do have an upcoming um, website, radapologetics.com. Um, there is a free resource there for anybody who wants just a, a nice little cheat sheet for some logical fallacies that debunk um, common arguments used against um, Christians. So it's just a really helpful little informative um, cheat sheet that you can get for free just by putting in your name and email. Uh, and eventually that website will host some online apologetic classes that I'm developing for um, those interested in getting a higher learning in apologetics without uh, having to go to university to do so. Um, but it gives them a more formalized, structured, and uh, self-paced way to do that. So that's where you can find me. That's awesome. Thank you, Brett. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on tonight. I hope... I, I know this is going to be helpful to my listeners and it was just great to meet you and I appreciate what you're doing. You're welcome. I hope I did your first episode justice and uh, maybe great. we can talk again one day. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Kathy. All right, guys, there you have it. My very first interview here on the show. I hope you got some good stuff out of that conversation. Uh, you can find Brett at radapologetics.com um, and then also on Instagram at radapologetics. And remember, when you learn how to think, you will no longer fall prey to those who are trying to tell you what they want you to think. And it all starts with asking one simple question. Is that really true? I would love to hear from you. Do you have questions about fallacies and cognitive biases? Are you now starting to see and hear them everywhere around you too? Well, send them in. They just might get featured on the podcast. You can email them to me at think at filteritthroughabraincell.com or you can connect with me on Instagram at filteritthroughabraincell. 
And if you want to be notified about when new episodes come out and all the things that we're doing, go to www.filterthroughbraincell.com and sign up to receive email updates. I would love it if you would help us on our mission to teach society how to think well. Please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this podcast with people in your life.